got a great song to play, you know. Just, uh, uh. Hello? Have you ever snogged a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> we're on there. Come on, swear. Shit! A few people have asked why this podcast is called Crunch and Roll. Now, anybody who's worked in the industry will know it's a term for a quick link over the end of one song and the beginning of another, with the purpose of keeping the music flowing whilst identifying the station. There's actually a short list of potential names based around other radio terminology. Like, what are we doing in this link again? Shit, who's calling the XD? And? Um, why has it gone quiet? As for our unofficial tagline of behind the mic and under the boardroom table, I'll I'll leave that one for another day. My guest today is Warren Moore. Or if you lived in the Minster FM area back in the mid-90s, you might know him as Wazza on the Wireless. He's been in the industry for years, worked at some amazing radio stations in his time. He's also a thoroughly great person, although he does wear a cap backwards at his age. Now, we chat about why you shouldn't necessarily take a gig for money and how he had an absolute shocker with a former group programmer and the time that he brought the entire country to its knees by starting the 2001 petrol crisis. Just to warn you, it's a little bit sweary and there are some adult themes. Oh, and sorry for the sound quality of this episode. At some points, it does sound a little bit like an early 2000s GSM Comrex. Let's crunch and roll. Oh, yeah. Let's meet and greet Warren Moore. Hi. Wow. Okay. I was expecting a bit more from you, Warren. Really? I've already been on this morning, so and you're not paying for this, so you can just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Now, let, just quickly, because there will be some anoraks who listen to this. Run me through your stations, starting at Minster FM. To I mean, you're 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 quite. What a... this means, anorak, is that Poxy's not done his production and he's not bothered to find out where anybody worked well, before. Warren, you know um, you know so me I... you know me very well, mate. I, I was never going to put any time or effort into finding out people's no, exactly. uh, because yeah. uh, for, for several reasons. Firstly, I just couldn't be asked, and 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 also because I I I, I, I couldn't get, be asked. I couldn't be asked. You're a bit of a rare breed, actually, Warren, because you're Easy one, now. you're you're one of very few people who are, are still in the industry um and, and still still you make me sound like obi-wan kenobi <laughs> you make me sound like one of the last jedi well yeah, essentially you are though because I, I can't think of anybody oh. that we've we've spoken to on this podcast or who we are going to speak to who are still on commercial uk radios i can't think of of it apart from yourself so obi-wan kenobi welcome to crunch and roll the podcast Thanks, I think. I don't have to go through what he did in terms of, spoiler alert, by the way, being burned badly by Darth Vader. You're not going to set fire to me now, are you? I haven't seen that film. You've just completely ruined it for me. Right, so, so Warren, start at Minster FM and then and then end up where you are now. So run me through all your stations. Oof, right, blimey. Um, started at Minster. I was at York Uni, and that was a very lovely coincidence, really, because I'd been... Um, I'd basically been to university because they offered 18 months or so studying in the States. And this was in the early 90s where, like, radio out there, oh, man, do you remember when you used to get those anorak tapes and it was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but it just sounds so great. Yeah. So I started doing some messing around at a station in Texas called KEGL. And it was just one of those really lucky coincidences that by the time I got back to UK, um, Mrs. Thatcher, and this is showing how long ago it was, had decided to open up a load more commercial stations. And one of them was Minster in York. I used to do this thing, this act of like, it was Wazza on the wireless, which was like funky young dude about town. I was 18, straight out of uni. And it was a Friday night. 
and I would take phone calls and they were all live. And this is before they learned that Ofcom don't like you doing that sort of thing and get a delay unit. Um, someone had run me or written in, they'd written in and they'd said, um, at this girl's recent wedding, the bride and the groom got a little bit randy and decided to go behind the DJ curtains and consummate the marriage a little bit early ring her up and embarrass her on air, which of course you would never do in a million years now, invasion of personal privacy. So I've called her up. Hello, is that, I can't remember her name. Is that Jenny? Yeah. Um, Jenny, it's Warren from Minster. Oh, hello. You just got married. Yeah. And I've asked this stupid question on air. God, and thank God it was about half nine at night. I've said, Jenny, is it true that you and uh, your now husband went round the corner and consummated the marriage? There was about five seconds of silence. She went, in a very North Yorkshire York action, she went, fuck off and put the phone down. <laughs> so I, I had a very happy year at Minster. That then led to four years at Radio Air. God, four years there. And I loved it there. That was my hometown station, effectively. Went to um, Red Dragon in Cardiff for four years. Again, really happy years. Probably some of the happiest years in my career. Ev, you know, what was who did, who did that song, Sunscreen? You know, where it was like... Baz Luhrmann. Was it Baz Luhrmann? Yeah. He used to say something in that song like everybody should spend like, four years in San Francisco and move before you get too soft. Exactly the same for Cardiff. It's such a cool place. Everybody should spend some time there. Got poached to go to work at Key 103, like you mentioned. Yes. Did four years there. Did two years at Heart West Midlands, the original one. And then by this point, we'd started seeing more sort of um, networking come in. So they said, look, you're going to lose your job here. But the good news is um, we'll employ you at Heart. Um, in Gloucestershire where I still am actually obviously then networking came around a few years back I decided to jump ship and, um, and sort of started a business relationship with the BBC and that's proven to be really good and I'm also doing breakfast at Sunshine at the minute so I'm very fortunate Warren when you say jump ship is that like when uh, you actually get binned off but the boss says oh we're leaving on good terms no it's not no it's not and you know what when the boss actually says yeah well, that's it goodbye there's a certain end to it but when you decide to go jeez man that's like adrenaline city that's ugh. this this podcast isn't about me but i had a very similar situation at free where they they binned off my best best friend and 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 i was left on my own and they they did talk about a new contract but it felt good to say i didn't want it and it, it wasn't until the day that I left that, and, I, and I went on to, to Signal 1 that I was like, oh shit, that, that was a really good, why did I ever do that? That was a, that was a lot of money. I mean, you- now, that's really interesting you say that. I had an old boss of mine, and I'd love to talk about him more, Andy Johnson, who's not in the industry anymore, but he was at Red Dragon. And he said to me, and this is so true, he said to me, if you ever move for money, it'll never be as, 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 as happy as you think. What, what, what does he mean by that? The move I took from Red Dragon to Key, you're never going to turn it down because that Key was like, you know, three million size radio station and it's huge and it's the Wembley of the North. But I was never as, and this isn't for any particular reason, he said, just avoiding slander and libel. I was much happier at Red Dragon. Uh, But you can't turn down someone that says, here's a two year deal and 20 grand a year more. But I was always happier working at Red Dragon. And Andy was right. When you make those moves in your career or your life for cash, it's just got a funny habit of never being as happy or as good uh, as, as you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think I disagree with that. I just, I'm You're not like, buying that at no, all, It just sounds like a load of balls. I, I enjoyed earning... No, I, I, look, you can only go by what you've found in your career. And the moves that I've made for cash, I've never... Look, my, my accountant's pretty happy, but it's the scenario of... Did I do my best work there? Was I happy? Were the managers... Da, 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 da? Mm. 
I kind of side with Andy on that one. Well, I mean, for me, because obviously I, I spent a bit of time at Viking, which is my hometown station, similar to you, Radio Air, where, you know, you, you're broadcasting to your pals. But the best memories are from my time at Viking. Some of those early radios at Radio Air, we were lucky to get our friends listening. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the station was, was it was not, it was beaten by magic at one point. So the AM station was beating Radio Air. So well done for that, Warren. You are welcome. Frankly, I wasn't on breakfast at that period of time, but I tell you what, that was a weird Ray Jar meeting to be in. Jim Hicks, who I love dearly and would take a bullet for the guy. Um, and I remember him coming out a bit ashen-faced. It always used to be like on a Thursday morning, do you remember, these Ray Jar meetings. And he came out and he said, well, the good news is we've got one radio station in the building that's market leader. And the bad news is it's, ma- it's magic. <laughs> But Magic was a monster. Yeah. It was just a monster. You had all these established names that had just literally overnight just gone next door. And the audience went next door. And we spent the best part of 10 years of trying to attract one or two of them back. Did they start like treating the Magic presenters with a lot more love and not you just the dirty FM people that weren't doing very well? Not at all. Not, it, you know what? It was just nuts. It was because they had spent so much money on FM. And they got it so close because it, 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 this goes back to, do you remember Paul Fairburn? Yep. Great programmer Paul was. And he was the one that basically said in the days of Air FM, when literally it, it would have been cheaper to switch the transmitters off and do house calls. He was the one that was like, no, stop. This stops now. We're going to rebrand. And he did a fantastic job. He took it from literally £2.50 in a bag of nuts in Rajar to just under 300000 In fact, I think there were some Rajars where he took it to over 300000 But they were just, it was just not meant to be. You know, it, it, tracking had come through and it would be like, yes, we're going to take it to number one. And then someone else would do something. You know, like the police spike Rajars from Magic. But when you have people like Peter Tay and, 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 and Ray and all these different people, Ray Steadcombe and Paul Stetton, Ray, I forgot Ray's surname. But they were all legends. You can't be much of a legend if you can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, Ray Stroud. That was ah, it. Sorry, there babe. There we go. There we go. Oh, man. Do you know, you've made me feel quite sad because what I was, I was eventually going to get onto, and I'm going to manipulate the story slightly because that's what we do. Uh, but I feel so... So, so doing, doing, doing shows on Viking, everybody in EMAP, I mean, EMAP was great. I thought you said this podcast wasn't about you. No, it's not, but I'm gonna, I want to get onto Key 103 because I, I, as I say... Because I'm getting repetitive stress injury of you saying... When I was on Viking... The reason I mention it is that you, you, so you preferred doing Red Dragon to Key 103 because anybody within EMAP that wasn't at Key 103 or KISS um, just dreamt of being at Key 103 because it was just, a, just a, a huge station, wasn't it? <sighs> oh, you've got, you've got a missus in a family, right? For me, it was always a station of I felt my happiest in my... Uh, family status and whatever when I was in Cardiff. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Manchester. I love the city. I still support my team up there, Man City. And it was wonderful. But the station at the time, and I've since talked to some of the people who were managing at the time, found it was very volatile. That marketplace, God, it was like Vietnam. I mean, it would be up one minute and down the next. There were a lot of people um, making some interesting decisions at the time that were a bit different. I think EMAP at the time, before it went to Bauer, didn't quite know what to do with it. And I had come from a station which, although it was Red Dragon, it was run rigidly uh, by Richard Park and Clive Dickens, who were very, very clear on what the sound was, 
how they wanted it to sound, the music. You had great programmers there like Andy Johnson, who he used to have this filter thing, basically, Foxy, of everything goes through a filter. The music, what we say, how we say it, the way that we reflect lifestyle in South Wales, it was so focused and it was very, very successful. I came to Key and within the space of two years, they'd, they'd changed breakfast about three times before they finally settled on, on Tools, who's a great broadcaster. So it was choppy, it was changing, the music would change a lot. I don't think they quite knew what they wanted to do with it themselves. And so therefore, it kind of just reflected that in Rajar. There, there was a management change, a, a, a full clear out, and it was just a very, it was just really unsettled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody that was around at that time would say that Radio City had the success that people thought Key had. When, when I spoke to you, and I, I'm very fortunate because um, you and I are friends, and I, we, we met many moons ago when we, we were both at a boot camp uh, type thing, um, where radio stations, for people that don't know, um, what they do is they say you're great, and then they go, but you could be better, and you should be more like so-and-so down the road. So you go and meet up with other breakfast shows, and then you listen to a certain breakfast show, Bristol, uh, in that situation, um, and then you try and replicate what they do, and you're like, well, it's quite hard because there's a male, female, and I'm, I'm definitely just working with another guy. But anyway, um, and then, and then, of course, you know, we, we, together we've been working for the Big Boys Club uh, more recently, and, and we've got to know each other a little bit better. And I asked you if you would come on this podcast, and, and I said to you, you said you were like, oh, Foxy, what's it going to be about? And I said, well, it, not so much the, your career, but just some of the things, the funny stories that you share. And I said stuff like being drunk on air. And you said, Warren, that you've never been drunk on air. Don't treat me like some sort of leper for saying that. I, 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 genuinely, I, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. I think, I think you, you... No. Tell me the truth. Not at all. Never, ever. And I think it was because I've got two stories. One, there was a guy when I first worked at Minster called John Dash, who had it in our contracts that you couldn't even alcohol on the premises. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, right. Now... Afterwards, we'd destroy many a brain cell in the pub around the corner, but it was never, ever brought on the premises. And the other story that put me right off it, I will mention the radio station, but I won't mention any names if that's okay. We'd had a Christmas party on a Thursday night, and one of the overnight presenters had been to the party, had a bit too much, and passed out on air. And and then woke up after, you know, like he must have heard the emergency CD kick in. And as that happened, he then threw up in the studio all over the desk. Yes. So at that point, you kind of, under, and, and literally uh, the managing director and the boss at the time said, at nine o'clock, you'll be in the office and we'll have your key card. Goodbye. Thank you for coming sort of thing. So that will leave an imprint in your mind as this is why we're never drunk on air. I've been hung over many a time but never drunk on air. I've just got an image of the engineer having to pick out carrots and sweet corn from the desk. They were out of that studio for about a month. Just <laughs> they, they, as you said, they were in the little... If you've ever been to Radio Air, there was a little cubbyhole studio. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were in there for a while. And after a while, when the aircon doesn't work, you just go in there and go, someone been eating cheese in here? Some <laughs> pizza? <laughs> it's just... So that... At a fairly early age in my career, it's just one of those things that was imprinted on the brain of, you do this, then that's the consequence. So we didn't play that game too much. 
All right. Well, um, you did also say to me that there's a story that you wanted to share about Princess Diana. Right. Well, I've since thought about this. And <laughs> oh, we shall, no. We shall, um, no. Okay. Well, it, it, I think everybody, if you're of a certain age, what year did you start broadcasting? 2001. Right. Okay. So you maybe missed this, but if you were around, I think it was 97 when she, she died. And yeah. um, it's a really, it's a horrible time because this iconic figures died. Everybody loved and um, in one way, it's a privilege to be on air during a period of time like that. But in another way, it's a very, very nervy experience because you know that someone somewhere across the network is going to screw up. And you're just sat there thinking, please, gods of radio, don't let it be me. So we got a couple of phone calls in the middle of the night because you've got to remember this is a time before Twitter and a time before, I mean, nobody really had satellite at the time, but I was lucky I did. And you could just get hold of CNN. And CNN at the time at 1am was saying she's been involved in an accident. And we didn't know, God bless her, what was about to develop. But by the time you woke up at six in the morning and I was on air Sunday mid-mornings, you knew something was going to happen and it was not going to be good. I have two stories about this. Which one do you want first, uh, A or B? I want A, please. Story A is it was not commercial radio's greatest time. You know how everybody talks you through the importance of going through the OBIT procedure, yeah. and you're just like, oh, God, whatever, whatever. Well, back in 97, the OBIT procedure was as long as your arm. It had, like, the Pope on there. It had the Pope's wives and seven mistresses. It had leaders of the opposition and all this, that, and the other. And what they'd done was trim it right back. And of course, they, her and Charles had just gone through the divorce. So she'd had her HRH status stripped. So technically, she was not on the obit list. But we'd have been told pretty much, right, just keep going to IRN at the top of the hour and everything will be fine. 5 a.m., without any warning, and the obit procedure hadn't gone off, they just made this announcement. It's with terrible regret that Princess Diana has died. So the poor overnight guy, who I'm not going to name, but his Christian name was Steve. Really nice guy. Does the absolute right thing. Because you used to get like a two-minute update. And he rings the boss. And the boss is like, right, okay, right, we'll come in. Because you've got to strip everything back. The music's got to come back. Uh, you can't have any adverts on. It's, it's just chaos. And he starts, do you remember that famous wind-up they used to have on IRN of, it's two minutes past, whatever. And then they come back to you. So Steve was getting ready to hear this. And he threw himself from one end of the studio to the other to just throw any song in so there was audio there and not dead air. And the guy on IRN goes, that's the latest. It's two minutes past whatever. There were a few seconds worth of silence. And could he throws to this CD, could have been anything, and it was Amazulu. Too good to be forgotten. Now what more can I say? And it's like, oh, God. So then, part B of this, is idiot boy here comes strolling in on the Sunday morning. And um, you'll maybe remember before logger tapes were all done digitally and saved for like a million years. Yeah. Do you remember what we used to use? Was it VHS? VHS cassettes. Yeah. People listening to this now will be like, what yeah, the? Geez. We used to use old VHS cassettes, three of them. You'd get a four-hour tape and stick it on long play. So it lasted for eight hours. You'd have like 40-odd because you'd have to save them for a few weeks. And I'll never forget, Jim Hicks said to me, look, um, I think it was the radio authority at the time who were in charge, not Ofcom. He said, look, 
you know, I've seen how this thing plays out before. They'll want Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, uh, London, all the big city marketplaces to send in how they've covered it. Just go, just go pull off the videotapes. And guess what? The person on the night before hadn't switched the tapes, so we had no audio of it whatsoever. I've since subsequently found out two of those other cities on that list of about seven or eight places I've gone have done exactly the same thing. And I'm not terribly surprised that a couple of years after that, everybody went on to digital login. But I will never, ever in a million years forget the look on the face of Jim when I had to go, you know, those logger tapes. Oh, Jesus, that was just, man, that was something. Now, I'm going to move on to something else now, Warren. And um, you're an honest guy. You're a nice guy. So answer this question with honesty. How many times did you blag a prize from Extracts and not mention it on air and then mock up the demo to send back to them? I'm going to make me sound like the biggest straight nerd. Oh, get fucked. No, seriously, honestly, <laughs> honestly, you... because again, I think, I think in this scenario, Foxy, I've been very lucky through other people's bad luck. Right. Because I saw someone do that and get caught, and they were out the door. Oh, Warren, you're like the you're like the good boy of radio. No, I'm not. I'm really not. I can tell you, I was at a radio station once where they were playing. Do you remember the bong game? Like they'd call out cash amounts, and there'd suddenly be a bong, and you had to shout stop before the bong. Yeah. I was once at a radio station, and the presenter and station will remain nameless. Where they would each week. And this is before producers did it and before you had to phone in on uh, special 08 numbers and uh, before you had to um, log everything down and take screenshots. Well, literally, every, every day, it was, it was you could hear him on the phone going, okay, well, the bong goes at 300 quid, so cash out at 150, and you'd have, you'd have a 50 <laughs> See, this is the truth. This is the honesty that I wanted to get on the podcast because we, we, we used to do a thing called that film thingy. We've all done it. Little clip from a film. Call in. Tell us the the, the the film that the clip's from. And it goes up by 50 quid, or at least it did where I was. You were on the bigger stations, probably went up by a million. And I, I used to get, I just used to get pissed all the time. And if I couldn't afford me taxi home from the nightclub back to the marina in Hull where I was living, I'd just tell the taxi driver the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, come on I mean you probably didn't Warren because you're like the, the, the good boy of radio but we were all doing that weren't we when I was at Key someone told me that Noddy Holder who's such a lovely bloke I think he was doing Saturday breakfasts and they, they ran a competition which was a mystery voice thing and like you said whenever it was a mystery voice thing you'd just go online or to old bits of tape and you'd just get as he did on this occasion a clip of Joan Collins right Guess who it is? And it went on and on and on and on and on. And nobody could understand why it was taking Noddy a bit longer. And I don't know whether this is true or not. If he ever hears this, I'd love to find out. Apparently what he was doing was, instead of getting a clip, he, he obviously was so showbiz, he had Joan's number and would ring her up on Sunday morning or Saturday morning and go, right, just say this phrase now. And he's do it live. Amazing. That is a good story. I mean, they're the stories that you don't hear. I love that. Well, there's um, stuff testing, 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 testing. The dealer does not work. Well, I'm all for being open-minded, but I'm not all for discussing this live on air. Thank you. We are profoundly uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Have you ever used the phrase, do you know who I am? God, no. Could you? Because go, no, I don't. When you're at, on, on Key 103 at Red Dragon, 
and you were doing. You have to understand the yeah. likelihood. The likelihood was that I'd be more known in the marketplace when I was at Red Dragon than I was at Key. You have to understand that, and, and it just it does seem strange for a lot of guys that within and around EMAP. And I guess that's the case because if you work for Capital Group, the, the the cherry on top of the cake was that was always promised was. Uh, or oh, capital. So I get that, I, you know, but it was, it, yeah, I've been at far more successful stations and that's not putting key down, but yeah, you've got to understand that. Yeah. But it's just, someone once said to me, listen, son, it was my dad actually. <laughs> it's bleeding, it's bleeding. I don't know if you meant that gag, but that was good. Carry well, on. Yeah. Oh, I think it was my dad. Yeah. Um, listen, son, <laughs> there's just a couple of letters difference between radio and rodeo. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow and he's true he had he had a great way of because once you get on the radio a little bit and you think you're Billy Big whatnots yeah. earning 30 quid for a five hour shift you think I'm it you think the business and he had a fantastic way of just bringing me down and putting my feet on the earth wait, 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 wait. so I, I probably had a bit more ego you'll notice this back in the days where pop stars used to come in yeah before it was all done uh, networked wise and, and sent via and satellites it, it was interesting They'd be very nice to you at the beginning of their career. And they'd be very nice once they've made it. In the middle, they could be arseholes, yeah, real yeah. arseholes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, this, it's it's no different for anybody else. You know, when you start working, I thought I was it when I moved from Cardiff to Manchester. You know, you move to a much bigger marketplace or times when I've done bits in London and stuff like that. But actually, at the end of the day, there's no difference. It's not, you know, anything spectacular. Um, right, sponsored car. Did you have? Do you have your name on the side of a car? I did, and it's a terrible, terrible thing. Oh, There's a family somewhere near Bridge End Cemetery who still must think I'm a complete tosspot because I, <laughs> I overtook a hearse. <laughs> and then it's that, it's that shocking realization that one that the car that's on the other side of the road isn't happy with you. The car you're overtaking is an effing hearse, and two, your name and the radio stations. Emblazoned all over the effing thing, man. <laughs> what did, they so, are dangerous vehicles. T- they are very dangerous vehicles to have. Well, tell tell me what what car was it, and 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 give me the color and what. That oh, was it a nice one, really nice one. Was it? Um, it was a Volvo. This is back in '98, a brand new Volvo S40. It was yeah. beautiful. I also learned sometimes that um, a good bit of market research is, is 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 leaving your car outside and coming around on a Sunday morning to find someone to get a thrown up on it and b a kebab. Sprayed all over the front of the vehicle. Well, you know? I, t- I tell you, um, my favourite story is that is a guy that used to be on Beacon. I won't mention his name because we might actually get him on the podcast at some point. But <laughs> I think he was on Wyvern FM at the time, and uh, the story goes that he-, he parked it off somewhere. Someone obviously did like him on air because they scratched cunt. Oh yeah, on, completely on the roof. And then he had to take it back to the to the dealer and say, "I'm really sorry, but you've got a rude word scratched on the top of your car." <laughs> says partridge and nothing says ego more than a commercial you'd never find it in the bbc in fact global the lesson when i was working for them that actually their staff went out in cars that were not uh uh logoed up at all for that reason that you might be number one in the marketplace but if there's 50 people that don't like you you're going to spend a fortune on tires you know what i mean because it's going to get slashed what has been your biggest on-air fuck up biggest on-air cock up Okay, you've you've toned down the word, but yeah, we'll go with that. I uh, oh, see he's such a good boy. There's, there, don't tell me in the. No, the, no, listen, listen. You're talking to the guy. Well, the, the thing that you have to say is the petrol crisis thing. Go on. 
Well, it was on my show, again, when I was at Red Dragon, that I had a conversation with the news presenter, uh, Stuart McTeer, who, and I said, okay, so the petrol shortages were on at the time. And um, somehow our conversation got totally misconstrued and effectively began the petrol crisis of 2001. If you Google it, you'll see it. But it, it was just bizarre. Um, again, I was very fortunate because what happened was I'd sort of set him off the back of the news. Remember those days when we used to talk to newsreaders? And I said, okay, so there's a lot of rumours going around, Stuart, what do you think? And he said, well, we've heard nothing. It's fine. All right, off we go. Bang, that's it. Later found out that a couple of people that were listening at a local police station had thought, oh, my God, this is terrible. They then rang up all their friends and said, get in a queue. So that was a very nerve-wracking experience because you had lawyers coming in from everywhere saying, national newspapers saying, well, what on earth, this Red Dragon, what have you done? And then we had to go, go back to the logger tapes. Again, they weren't digital at this time. It was all unreal. And it was like, is that what you said? Is that all? So again, it was just a chain of events. It was frightening though as well, because you always think you've got like a level of safety when it's live in a funny way, because no one can change the words that you've said. You know, you'll, you'll hear famous people saying, well, I never said that in an interview. But what it, it really frightened me and affected me and everybody at the radio station, and I think within Capital Group, because once they'd heard it, when they'd actually seen a transcript of it, they were like, how on earth can that get misconstrued into something else? And then, of course, you know, we've all had those complaints. You can see how it happens where you say something and a listener's thought you said something else. We've all had those. But that was terrifying. So that's probably the biggest cock-up, which actually wasn't a cock-up. But it was, it was a very difficult time. My dad was living in Scotland at the time, God bless him. And we, we would have a, he's gone now, a couple of years back, but we had a lovely relationship. And I, all I was concerned about, Red Dragon and Capital and on all the big head honchos had said, listen, you're fine, don't worry about it. I actually ended up getting a pay increase and a new contract out of it. Wow. But at the time, very frightening. And uh, I'd not spoken to my dad for three or four days. And the Daily Mirror run a, a paper up there called, the, I think it's the Daily Record, and I got home one afternoon and at this point I'd had like, um, they had to basically put like a towel over my head and escort me out of the old building at West Canal Wharf in Cardiff wow. to make sure the national newspapers weren't getting pictures. They were going through my bins. Anyway, I got in and I pressed on answer machine, I pressed play and it was my dad saying, um, hi, it's me. Is there any reason that your pictures on the front page of the Daily Record with the headline, blame him <laughs> anyway call me back bye yeah. I'm like, oh shit <laughs> but, then, but then and this is why i've always had an interest in media law then the capital group as it was at the time went and made a fortune out of like you know well you've slandered someone that we own a lot of contracts changed from it because do you remember you'd assigned something in the clause that said actually um we own the audio we own what this person says it's a it's it's a sort of two-way street that yeah okay we'll accept the muck-ups but we also get to um make a lot of money when people um accuse us of doing stuff so the contracts in the, in the, in the industry on about 2000 2001 change because of that so warren um that was quite a serious story there um i'm going to stick with something quite similar and serious as well. Um, I just wondered, think back to when we used to use CDs. What was the go-to song when you had diarrhea? New Radicals, you get what you give, which is ironic, really, um, that period of time. Because I always knew that there was a drum beat in it that I could get away with. And it's at that point, it's like, okay, I could be in trouble, but, you know, quickly now, shove it up and off you go um, and just deal with it. 
if you've done breakfast long enough, you will discover that you have a very regular body clock in the day. Oh, God, yeah. Right? And it's one of those things that um, uh, one of the beauties of the heart clock at breakfast was that if you ever did anything good at 10 past eight in the morning, they were always quite happy for you to replay it at some point in the six o'clock hour. So invariably, you knew that you play that again, three minutes worth roughly, into a four-minute song, you had seven minutes. So you, and I discovered, you will also discover that some foods and some drink substances will trigger your bowel movements. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, why are we talking about this? I love it, mate. Carry on. i tell you another good one as well, actually. Toto Africa. That's a beauty. <laughs> because ultimately, I, I just know when anybody's, anybody plays the Eagles Hotel California, you're just being lazy. You're just being lazy there. Because every PC knows, oh, they've put the six-minute... Um, they put the six-minute version on. But you can get a nice five-minute break in with Toto, Africa. No questions asked. <laughs> and if you... I mean, they used to pan the, the music into most of the, uh, the, the radio station toilets, and it's quite a good song yep. to, to, to dump to, isn't it? All right, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. John Cicada, just another day. Four minutes, 40, <laughs> four minutes 44 of pure gold. God bless you, John. <laughs> Do you know what? You and I work together. Colonoscopy, colonoscopy surgeons across the world need to know the power of that song, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you. Beautiful. Yeah, play, Thank you, John. Play it in hospitals, it'll sort them out, I tell you. And, and, and you and I worked together very uh, quite recently, and um, we were short to the hour, and, and all radio presenters have got that one song that they go to if they're two minutes short. What's yours? Depends, really, mate. I've had a career of being all over the place. Um, and again, it just depends what station you're on. Lady Gaga, rain on me. God bless you, Ariana Grande, at two minutes 30-odd. You just, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Do you remember when the PC used to ring the XD? Yeah. God, they were, I mean, that that could be terrifying. Um, an old mate of mine who um, I got to work with a few years back, who um, he's just a great bloke, Pete Wagstaff. He would be a PC and the station that you mentioned before, at Beacon. And when he would, he admitted to me, this is what they do. They did. He'd get up for a pee in the middle of the night and he'd just every now and again ring bring up the, um, the the studio at two or three in the morning and the poor guy, he, he, without even, hello, XD, what's happening? And the, the presenter would always go, um, well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> I done anything. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love Waggy. It was, it was a lot of fun. Do you know, I mean, talking about um, uh, bosses and, and, and not so much um, ringing the XD, but I remember one of my favourite, Paul Kay, <laughs> who was the boss at uh, BRMB for a time, a superb boss, amazing guy. Um, he, he actually sat in the studio whilst I was doing a show with his laptop open, but I couldn't see what was on the screen. Could you, like, I was just genuinely, I was like, what is going on here? What, I mean, I've got the boss sat listening to me every single word that I say it, it, it was just so off-putting oh. and then I went for a wee and I walked around and he was playing Angry Birds he wasn't even doing any work he wasn't listening paying attention he was playing Angry Birds well he's working hard now because he's out with um, uh, Rogers the Rogers group isn't he he's, he's practically the head honcho there I, I mentioned that um, I, when the restructuring and networking started in about 06 uh, 08 actually Hart had to let me go uh, for about three or four months before the whole thing started up at what was Seven Sound and became Hart Gloucestershire, which we launched. And Paul came in for me, said, look, you know the Red Dragon patch. So I went back for about a month and a month and a half. And um, I loved working with Paul. What a cool guy he was, right? Yeah, um, amazing. One of my favourite bosses. Um, I had and like he- a professional life with him and then my, my wife, my now wife, Leanne, was best mates with his girlfriend at the time. So we had a social life and um, amazing programmer, could not handle his beer. Right after a pine, he, he was all over the place. 
Well, it must have been about 08. And it's funny you saying he was in the studio. It was a Saturday afternoon and it was the year that Cardiff got to the cup final. They were a division, a championship side at the team at the time. And they lost, but he, he just, with no budget and no tickets or anything, he made it sound like we owned the radio that weekend. And unlike a lot of other bosses who just wouldn't give a monkeys because it was the weekend, Paul came in, he was editing stuff in the studio, he was keeping it tight, He was, and it was just brilliant. And by this point, you know, I've been doing the radio thing for like 15, 20 years. And so you've kind of seen it all, but I'd never seen anything like that. And he just had a lovely way of making you feel like a million dollars. And um, I would have liked to have worked with him more in my career, but yeah, what a great guy. Well, whilst we're on the subject of bosses, and for legal reasons, we will bleep out the name, but for, for other radio people, they might be able to work out who you're talking about. Who was your worst boss? <laughs> I'm not going to... Until this podcast is sponsored by a very reputable legal firm that specialises in slander and libel, then I will not be mentioning... I will not be mentioning. You know what? If you're going to have any longevity to your career, and it doesn't matter whether you're, as the old man would say, in radio or rodeo, by the time you get to 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you are going to meet some shocking individuals who somehow have ended up in management. And one of my, my lucky things, but also quite unlucky things as well, was you talk about Paul being very formative in your career. I was so blessed at the beginning of my career with Francis Curry. Do you remember Fran? Yeah. What a programmer. Paul Fairburn, just able to get down into the weeds and the real minutiae of, of format radio. I had Jim Hicks. Anybody that's worked with Jim will be doing an impression of him right now of, oh, baby, it's Jim. You know, by the time you'd finished working with Jim, you were ruined because you were never going to work with a better boss. I was really fortunate then that I met people like Andrew Robson, Andy Johnson, and, and, and you're just blessed. Now, you're blessed by having them, but it also really ruins you because you can get a perception of everybody in management just as good as that. But the one thing, and there'll be people listening to this that have crap bosses in whatever strand of life you're in, they can teach you, and they do teach you if you pay attention, a lot more than the great bosses. Because do you know what? The bad bosses show you how not to do things <laughs> and how not to be with people and how to be upfront with individuals and tell them the truth. And it, they're actually sometimes a blessing in disguise. Have you ever had that situation as well where there's safety in numbers, I call it, that if you all moan about the boss, then you know it's not you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's a very fortunate thing. I'd hate to be in a situation where it's just a person. And, and eventually that's probably a numbers game and it will happen, law of averages. At some point, you will meet someone who it's just a personality clash. I guess that's unfortunate as well. But yeah, I've worked with a couple of shockers. And I just thought naively that everybody that gets elevated to the position of an MD, a program controller, an ME in the BBC or whatever, must know what they're doing. but. It, it ain't necessarily so. It really isn't. Right, I'm going to give you... Should we, should we play our breakfast? Uh, we've got a little radio game. You mentioned it earlier on, actually, the, the breakfast bong, where it's it's tried and tested across most uh, radio stations, where, for people that don't know, they, you, you come on as a caller, and then you shout stop at an amount of money, and there's a bit of jeopardy because the next bit might have been higher, or or they might have uh, you might have lost everything. I've, 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 I've never actually presented the breakfast bong in my career. Have I, have I described that correct, Warren? 
as Andy Johnson would have said when we were doing it for real, the slogan is, kids, shout stop and the money's yours. I love it. All right, so you're about to hear some different topics. A little bit of moody music, like you would have done, a bit of a drone. And um, if you shout stop, then we will ask you a question from that topic. And, and if you don't, then of course, it'll carry on. Does that, does that make sense, Warren? All right. That'll work. Here we go. Station and location. Music. On air. Prizes and blanks. Showbiz. People. Stop. Alrighty, show it stop. Well done, Warren. So it has landed did on... Did you just say the word alrighty? Did I? Did I? You did. You just did. And I hope to God, Paul... Okay, never is. You say that. No, he may, I've, 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 I've spoken to Paul many a time to try and beg him to take me to Canada to do a breakfast show over there, but he, he, he'd stop replying to my uh, text. I'm not surprised if you're saying all righty then. Oh, You've right. got to question yourself when you're doing that. Paul Fairburn used to have a great way of passively, aggressively... He'd stop, remember when you used to use actual TDK cassettes yeah. for, the, for the snoops? He would turn around and you'd have a car crash of a link, like, you know, an, an eight piler up on the F in M42. And he turned around and he pressed stop and he'd look at you and he'd go, so um, what were you trying to achieve with that link? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Mark's story? You, you must have done because, of course, you were... Yeah. E-man. I had a shocker with Mark once. He, he had a good radio brain as well. And um, I used to work with a guy called Tom and uh, we did, he used to come from London because of course he was based at Mapping House. He'd come up to Hull uh, once a month and he had this amazing skill where he would fall asleep like have power naps whilst he was listening back to your show and you were like, shit, the show must have been really bad for someone to actually fall asleep. But he'd have these little power naps and then we'd all be looking at each other and then suddenly he'd wake up and he'd go, yeah, I, I really like that bit. Um, I wouldn't, so, oh, he's Irish, isn't he? I, I wouldn't so much do, done that. And he, 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 he was still going in his head. It was, in, it was just incredible. Do you want to hear my Mark Story story? Yes, I do, yeah. And, and I, I, I know of his reputation and the brilliance and the Radio 1 stuff and setting up heart and things like that as he did in London. And uh, Andrew, Andrew Robson had just taken me on at Key and um, he was like group programmer at the time, I think. In in EMA. yeah, and um, I I don't think I, I don't think Mark was a fan of mine in any way, shape, or form. So basically, this was my would have been in my first week, and Robbo called us all in as he would always do for Snoop sessions. He was very good at that, and Mark just clearly didn't like what I did on the air at all. And I came out of there thinking, Jesus. So Robbo rang up afterward. I, rang, I said, "He all right?" I said, yeah, "That didn't go very well, did he?" And he goes, "No, no, he didn't think you should be on key." Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. And he said, well, don't worry. Just to remind you, I run the radio station and uh, you've still got a two-year contract. <laughs> oh, fair play to Robbo for having some balls and doing that. I admire that. Well, so, yeah. I mean, you know, but it, <laughs> I always remember that. And I was so gutted because I'd always respected what Mark had done in the Irish industry and made some great radio. But it was like, but there's another thing. Some, eventually, you will come across people are not going to like everything that you do. And, and you just have to suck it up and deal with it. I'm going to ask you one more question, Warren. Did you have any super fans? Not really. No. Eventually, you just learn not to pick the phone up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And, um, you know, th- there is that. I've had lovely situations where listeners have, have become really close friends and things like that. Um, but, um, oh God, that makes it sound like 
slept with half of them, no, and no, there was d- a few of those. No, no, but, but so, um, did you sorry? Did you say there was a few of those? <laughs> well, when I first moved to Gloucestershire, I let's just say I was newly divorced and I was young, free, and tingly, and um, <laughs> I enjoyed myself. I had a great time. That was that was that, but it was just a very special period in my life because we took a radio station that was failing miserably, and we took a punt on on what I did on the radio, and it was it was it was. Um, I mean, I did ten years worth of business with Global on that, and I'm just really proud of it. And there's another example of you can work at these massive three, four, five, six million, ten million size radio stations, but actually, the one that I'm proudest of is the the ten years worth of breakfast I did. At, on Hart Gloucestershire, which is sub six hundred thousand TSA, so it's just it, it's just funny how that it doesn't. And maybe this is just a me thing. Doesn't necessarily have to be. Wow, I'm on the biggest station I'll ever be at in my career to be happy, sort of thing. And to think you could have taken those figures up even more if you'd have sounded more like Bush and Troy. Have you ever met Troy or Bob? I've never met Andy, but Troy is one of the smartest broadcasters that you'll ever come across. I'll tell you that now. The BBC should snap him up like you wouldn't believe. When you get to meet these people and know them, it's like, oh, you're good at what you do. I, I I did have the uh, the delight to meet them both because they they were trying to coach uh, all the breakfast shows uh, along the Thames Valley Valley Thames Valley corridor. I can't even say Thames. That's probably why I got binned off two ten FM because I couldn't say Thames Valley. There we go. That's probably the reason why. Um, did I just bring back some terrible memories for you there? No, I, I do apologise. Do you know what? I've made it sound like I got binned from two ten FM. I didn't. I, I went on to BRMB. Just want to put that out there. So I don't feel think I've been. Binned. Oh, what a station! What a station! There is something special. What I've said all the things about all these massive radio stations but I tell you what there's something very very special about working in Brum very special it's just a very cool city I think the listeners are just the best and there's you know you can go to a city sometimes and you just don't feel the buzz Uh, it doesn't matter what time of day or night how I'm feeling whether I'm feeling a million dollars or whether I've got man flu when I drive to Brum it's just like oof, this is you know better turn it on sort of thing so yeah we we share some lovely memories from Birmingham. Listen, Warren Moore, uh, thank you very much. Um, really, I know you've been uh, you like because I didn't realise you told me that you've been in hospital this week. So you've uh, you've you've pulled because you've got like a RoboCop leg or something, haven't you? Yeah, I had an accident, a car accident, about seven years ago, and there's a bit of metal in there. Actually, I shouldn't have said that. I should have actually said, "Yeah, I, I am RoboCop." Robo-cop. I, I'll be Robo-jock. honest, I, I, I'd forgotten it was a car accident as well, so I sound really insensitive. So sorry about no, that. No, it's all right. It, yeah. No, it's fine. You just keep apologising. You fat git. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take that on the chins. Uh, Valid. No, you've actually you have actually lost a load of weight. Oh, yeah, well done. I'm trying, to, to. I'm trying to get in shape. But anyway, yeah. So it was just um, a wonderful experience. That actually you reminded me of something else. The first time I went, every now and again, they'll take when the bone grows back properly. They'll take bits of bits of the metal and what out. Very first time, I said I'd never been in an operation before. The woman could see um, uh, I was very nervous, and she and of course she's the one great myth about the NHS is you're always supposed to have anonymity, aren't you? They're not supposed to know what you do or anything like that. This woman in um, Gloucester Royal. One of the anaesthetists with a lovely Geordie voice said, Hey, don't fret, pet. We know who you are. You're going first class, kid. I just thought that was wonderful. <laughs> and when I woke up, when I woke up, you know, like they'll give you the anaesthetic and you're gone. Yeah. Um, uh, on my hairy leg, they'd actually um, shaved in a little heart. No. Yeah. 
So that's why it was a special, still is a special place to me. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely story. I thought you said, I thought you They were... also stole my wallet. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that's Warren a joke. Mo- that's, a, that's joke. a joke. Legal, legal. Check that legal. We're having a party. Oh, yeah. Now, before you do go, Warren, um, at the end of every podcast that we're going to do, we're going to ask uh, our guests to, uh, to do the credits in their best voiceover style. Have you ever done any voiceover work, Warren? You know how you always said I was very dull and very boring? Yeah. The first job I ever had in radio was on a pirate station. Was it? Why have we not mentioned this? What was the name of the station? It was called Emergency FM because it was on 99.9. We were just kids that were at hospital radio and it was like, do you want to be on the radio? And it was like, yeah. (laughs) So we would end up, first of all, doing in these horrific DJ voices. And we were all like pre-adolescent teenagers and what had you talking about i can still remember the name of the client do you want me to do it yeah let's hear it empire electro centers oh yeah <laughs> that, that has made my year i love it well well in in that style would you be so kind as to read the end credits of the podcast please warren moore you've been listening to crunch and roll with me warren moore and foxy subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get every new episode as soon as it drops Crunch and Roll is a 969 media production. Has that got something to do with Viking Foxy? Probably does. It's presented by John Fox and produced by Simon Berish... Boris, Boris Yeltsin, Boris, Boris Johnson, Boris. What's your surname, Simon? Uh, that'll do. Warren Moore, thank you very much.